Welcome to the STEMness Podcast, a podcast produced at the Cohen College of Engineering at the University of Houston, aimed at celebrating trailblazing women in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You will hear industry leaders, engineering researchers, and female faculty members at the Cullen College talk about their journeys in STEM and how their work impacts the next generation of female STEMinists. Hi y'all, my name is Camila Flores and I am a computer information systems major at the Cullen College of Engineering and I'm one of your co-hosts for the UH STEMinist podcast. And today I'm joined by Eliza Paul and she is going to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Eliza Paul. I'm the Houston District uh, Engineer for Techstart here in Houston. So I'm also a U of H alumni. Uh, I got my uh, master's degree over here at the uh, Civil Engineering uh, um, uh, faculty here. So something interesting about me, my husband is actually the state representative of uh, in the Clear Lake area. Uh, House District 129. Uh, he is also an alumni of the U of H Civil Engineering uh, faculty or uh, curriculum also. So um, I'm from Hong Kong originally. The other thing a lot of people didn't know, I'm from Hong Kong originally and uh, I got my bachelor's degree in England before I came over here and got my master. Uh, and I told somebody that my parents are the one that wants me to come to America. So when I come, the only university I, pl- I apply for is U of H. So, <laughs> so and, then, and then I met my husband here. So I kind of say that's kind of fate. Uh, it was meant to be. Yeah, it was definitely meant to be. Um, so what made you just choose U of H? Or was it just like a long shot? Or what were you trying to get out of it? Well, really, my family were over here in Houston, so that's the only university that you could, I applied yeah. because, okay. because I said that was during my rebellious time because I said that, well, if they want me to be in Houston, I'm going to be in Houston. With them. So, yeah, uh-huh. okay. so tell us a little bit about your job. What do you do right now? Well, I'm the district engineer of Textile Houston District, mm-hmm. and uh, Houston District is responsible for Houston, city of Houston, Harris County, and also the six surrounding counties, uh, Montgomery, Fort Bend, uh, Waller, Brazoria, Galveston. So uh, I have about 1180, almost 1200 employees in my office. We do, we're responsible for all the design, construction and maintenance of all the freeway system and the FM road in the region. Awesome, awesome. And do you have like one project that it has been outstanding to you that's most impressive? Well, we, we have a lot of projects. We currently probably have about 300 projects in construction mm-hmm. right now. But the biggest project that we've been working on for a long time is the 45 NHHIP project, mm-hmm. which is the downtown uh, $8 billion projects that we've been working for the t- last 10 years to try and progress it to uh, construction. So we finally at the point that we're going to start letting some of those projects mm-hmm. on, on that. I think the first project is going to get started uh, in 2024. And then every year after that, we're going to, to let uh, a couple of projects after that. Awesome, that's awesome. a huge project that's I going bet, to yeah. transform the, uh, the region. Awesome. Okay. And then going a little bit back, what made you want to pursue a degree in STEM? Well, uh, being Asian... I'm Asian from, I was from Hong Kong originally. I said, being from an Asian family, you know, when we're growing up, 
your parents always tell you you either becomes a doctor or an engineer <laughs> or a lawyer. <laughs> you know, those are the three things kind of they let you Nothing let else. you let you pick. So growing up, naturally, there's a lot of emphasis uh, that's on the science mm -hmm. side. We call it the science and the art side. So the majority, you know, if you know, they always concentrated on the science side, which mm -hmm. is kind of the STEM side. So we just we just naturally gravitated to it at a very early age. You know, I remember my dad who used to uh, in the summer he would give us math problems to solve, simple math problems. Mm -hmm. You know, no, nothing complicated, but he would give us problems, a two page. And if we got them all right, he'll give us a dollar or something like that as the incentive. So growing up, we've always been kind of trained and geared towards doing something on the science side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was little during the summers, we would go to the t uh, like t teacher's supply store and we'd get like learning books. And our prize wouldn't be dollars, it'd be stickers, but we were still happy with that. Like that's how it was growing up with like my immigrant minority family for sure. Um, and so why civil engineering specifically? Well, um, I always wanted to build something, mm -hmm. you know, out of all the engineering, I, I always think that civil engineering is, is something that you're, you're actually building something that you can see the bridges and the buildings and uh, roadways and any of that. And my, and my daughter did the same. Whenever we drove by some of the bridges that we did, she say it's mama bridge. <laughs> you know, when she was little, she would say that's mother's bridge. You know, so it's, it's something you can actually see. I know mechanical, you're actually building a machine and all that too. Yeah. Uh, electrical, you're working with the computer and all that. But nothing is as glamorous as, mm -hmm. as or a hands big on, bridge yeah. or hands-on or anything like that. Yeah. So civil so, so engineering has always been something that I, I kind of liked. Uh, and what was your experience like in college? Were you like one of the only females in your classes or how was that like? Yeah, I got my bachelor's in England, mm -hmm. you know, Imperial College of Science and Technology in, in London. So out of a class of about 55, there were about five girls. I, I call them girls because they're my friends. Mm -hmm. like so there are only five girls. So uh, you kind of naturally uh, becomes a very tight-knit group mm -hmm. with, the, with, the, with the girls that's in the same engineering class. But, you know, I've always grew up in a co-ed environment. You know, even, even in middle school or in elementary school, I've always been going to school with both boys and girls. Mm -hmm. So, and, and dealing with boys is nothing, nothing new to me. You know, we always know that girls are better than boys. Yes. <laughs> you know, grow, growing up. So, even though there's a lot of them in the engineering class, mm -hmm. there, were, there were 50 of them and there's only five of us girls, we were not intimidated. Mm -hmm. We were we were we worked together. They're not smaller than us. They are the same equal. We work together. Uh, nowadays, you have a lot more uh, female mm -hmm. in the engineering school compared to when I started, probably thirty five years ago. You know, so it's it's a little bit different. Yeah, and you don't think you were ever like you ever felt isolated or different, or you ever faced any issues because of this? You know, when when you first uh, when I first went to England, is is it, it goes for everybody starting college mm -hmm. really? You know, you go to some place that's totally new. You know, and and sometimes if you go out of town, you don't have your family around. Your family's not around. When I went to England, you know, I was by myself. I really didn't know a soul when I first went there. 
So you have to really kind of make your make new friends, you know, get used to the environment that you're in, and at the same time be successful in the environmental. So that there is some pressures in all that, you know, trying to. Uh, but but it's a I tell everybody it's a tremendous learning experience for a young person to know that they have to balance their own checkbook, they have to keep track of a budget, they have to study hard, they have to know how to deal with people. You know, is is an excellent training for anybody that was that have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I think there are challenges, but that it's it's something good for some some somebody to go through the experience. Okay, awesome. Learning experience. And did there ever come a time in your career pursuing either your bachelor's or going into your grad um, that you doubted yourself that you were like maybe I shouldn't be doing this or do you think you'd just like push through all of it? I mean, I think everybody always have doubt because yeah. there's always so many different other opportunities you could do, mm-hmm. you know. But I think being consistent and be vigilant to continue push through because you do have to get that piece of paper, the graduation certificate. Yes. You know, for an engineer before you can move on and then you have to go get your professional engineer and mm-hmm. all that. There are different steps in doing that. Um I, I think everybody went through some doubt, but I think, you know, the the key is to make sure you know what you are going after and consistently doing it. If you go into engineering school and you really hate it, want it to change, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You need to know what is what, what you're good at doing, what you think is the best thing for you, and just know what that goal is mm-hmm. and and to achieve it. You know, I always told my daughter, I said, it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you are the best at what you're doing. You know, so no matter what you choose, it's okay. But you just need to strive to be the best of whatever that things you are when you're doing it. Awesome. Yeah. And what would you say during your career during school was like the most difficult class you had to take? Well, in the early, early part, there's always physics, chemistry, and biology. Yes. And, and typically, <laughs> physics is, is one of the harder ones. Yes. You know, when you're in college, when you're in engineering school, you get into the dynamics and the fluid mechanics and all that. I think, and organic chemistry, I think those are the more more challenging classes. Uh, my organic chemistry teacher, she actually, she, let's say she loves organic chemistry. So you either love it or you hate it, mm-hmm. some of those classes. So, but you, but you kind of push through some of those harder classes, the easier classes. There's some of them you know you like the mechanics and, and all that. So you you just have to have a general knowledge of all of them. I yeah. think you you do need a in college. You really what you're doing is you really just getting a general knowledge of all the areas in engineering. And then when you start working, then you concentrate and hone in on the area that you. Are most interested, most yeah. interested in all you are working with, and dive deeper in those areas. Yeah, physics was definitely a struggle for me. I took university physics, and oh my goodness, I pushed through though, so it's okay. You know, my daughter's best friend. She she went to college, and she is doing physics major. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I can't imagine like the amount of workload that they're having, or like the homework. I couldn't even get through like the first class, so. <laughs> props to her um, but what advice would you give to other women in the same position that you were in years ago I think I think um, 
my advantage is that I've always gone to co-ed, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it's a natural thing that in dealing with the other guys that was in the engineering field. And I always know that girls are actually smarter than guys anyway. So, <laughs> so, so the confidence that you can have, you know, you need the confidence to be able to show that you can compete in the same world where there, there are more, more uh, male than female, you know. And in, in all the leadership class that I went to, most of the women in those classes, they are confident, they are competent, they are extremely good at what they're doing, but they're also not scared to try anything, mm-hmm. okay? It, it doesn't matter whether they're new or, or it doesn't matter whether you fail or you succeed in some of the stuff, but be open to try everything that come ahead at you because you never know what you're good at actually sometimes. Awesome, awesome. And do you think that that's something that you took and you like implemented into your life now that you're in the workforce? Yes, I think there's a, a lot of things that I've learned from uh, from 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 being in different areas. I think being in different countries helped me seize the diversity and dealing with different people. Because the number one thing that you have to do in in all walks of life is you have to learn how to deal with people. And that's one of the hardest things, mm-hmm. you know. You can't be always uh, be black and white, you know, and you always can't be right all the time. Sometimes you may not be right, and even if you are right, there are times that you may have to give and take. There are things that you have to do to give and take in order to get a collaboration, get a success, to to keep something going. So I think I think dealing, learning how to deal with people is one of the greatest things. And then the technical part, the technology part, is really secondary. You know, I'm, I tell a lot of people, I don't do engineering anymore. I'm really not an engineer anymore. You just, basically, you're mainly managing mm-hmm. people that are better than you, are smarter than you, that do all the details engineering. You are trying to get, uh, manage the process or manage the people is what you're doing. Awesome. And I know you mentioned that you're not an engineer anymore, but what is one thing you miss from being able to do, like, have that hands-on experience now that you're just managing over people? Well, doing doing some of the actual, I, I actually still get pretty involved. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I try and stop myself from, I want to make sure I don't micromanaging my people, mm-hmm. you know, but being a manager, you manage the people and you manage the work, but the basic knowledge, you still need to have the knowledge to know what your people are actually doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I, I don't miss that. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting involved in certain part of it to make sure that you are aware of what's going, what they're doing, and know because they're going to tell you that something takes longer than it should. Yeah, and you, and you, you know. Need to know that, okay, that task does not take longer than you should. You know that it should only take this much time a week to do instead of the four weeks that they tell you that they need. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that stuff is important to be an effective manager, to be a good manager. You really need to know the work and be able to, to, to implement and but let other people do the work. Okay, awesome. And just an overall question, how did you handle having a STEM career in college and being able to like pursue like other like activities such as just making friends or stuff like that? And how are you implementing that same like work-life balance now? 
Yeah, I mean, they they used to always say engineering students they're nerd. Yeah, right? they're always studying. That they they don't do anything uh -huh. thing else but studying. I mean, I have known engineers that are the biggest party person <laughs> there is. Uh, I think I think what you need just need to know is know yourself. You know, know what your ability is. How much time you need to dedicate to the work. You know, there was a friend that told me that his roommate. It's the smartest person there is, and he would go party the night before they have a test, and he still gets strict A every time. So I think the important thing is you have to know yourself, know what your capability is. If you have to spend six hours studying, you know, do that, then you can go party. Party, yes. You know, if you are the really smart one, they only need two hours to study, then you can party more. I think there's a balance. You study, but then you also have to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why um, when my sister was in medical school, they said the doctors are the biggest partiers because they have to study hard and then they also party. party. Uh -huh. So that there is a time to rest and do what you need to do, but there is a time to study too. And, and you have to learn that discipline you know, in order to be able to manage it. Mm -hmm. And how do you implement that, like, discipline you learned then into, like, your life now? And to the work like now, yeah. I just told somebody I got probably about several hundred emails. I still have to catch up. <laughs> so so there is a lot of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And in Techstar, they try and promote the work-life balance. You know, they want, they want us to... Uh, and traditionally, Techstar uh, give the employees, they have... Uh, good vacations uh, and uh, sick leave and, and time off and all that. Uh, but nowadays with so much work, you don't really want to take off, yeah. you know. And then the problem is with the cell phone and an iPad and computer, you can really work anywhere else with COVID too. Mm -hmm. they, that What they find out is you can work anywhere you want. So I think the important thing is, I mean, you can work 24 hours a day because you're tapping continuously with the computer on Teams meeting, on Zoom meeting and all that. I think you just need to uh, balance that. It's same like when you're in college, take the time to rest and relax. Uh, but when you're working, concentrate on doing the work and separate the two. You know, you, you give yourself a little bit of downtime because everybody needs a little bit of downtime to recuperate, to re regenerate. And and the other thing I, I tell everybody, train the people that can do your job. Because if you want to do your job forever and never leave, then don't train anybody. <laughs> but if you ever want to retire or move up, mm -hmm. but you take another job, Please train somebody. You need to train somebody out so they can move in and take and over and do mm -hmm. your job. And we are trying to continuously to grow the new people so that they can learn new skills and they can eventually replace. I mean, I love for them to replace us because, I mean, especially the baby boomer generation, they not go work forever. Mm -hmm. So so there needs to be a qualified uh, new employees up and coming, the that younger take people, over. the experienced people that can take over the workload. Awesome, awesome. And can you share one of your experiences from either college or your life now that's like your favorite, like a STEM experience, something that involves STEM? Well, uh, I guess I'll go back to one of my leadership experience mm -hmm. that I went to. 
you know, we went to one of the one one of the leader, leadership class, and which is a different from a lot of the leadership class. You just have classroom experience, and then they give you a uh, classroom discussion. You mm-hmm. know, with the with the people talking about it, and then you learn from the experience and all that. But this particular one that we went to, we actually do field exercise. We went out to a park or a field over there, and then they have several exercises that they got the team to do. They separate us into different teams, and every team have different exercises that mm-hmm. they have to go through. And one of one of the exercises, so now it's Halloween, I can talk about it. They used ropes and they created a giant spider web. And in the spider webs, there are big openings and there are small openings, mm-hmm. you know, and you have a team of eight to 10 people in your team. And some of the people in the team are bigger person and some of them are smaller. So your task is to ha- help each other, have everybody go through the holes in the spider web without touching any of the spider web. Mm-hmm. So as a team, team member, you, you have to figure out, okay, who is the one that's going to take use the biggest hole? And who is the other person that is the next size that can use the next hole? Because if you put the smallest person in the big, and all the holes can only be used once. Mm-hmm. If you put the smallest person in the big holes, you're done because, because you're never going to finish the exercise. So it teaches you teamwork that the team has to get organized, they have to plan, and they have to all agree, mm-hmm. and then they have to execute because we literally have to lift the big guy as a team and put him over the hole onto the other side without touching, touching yeah. any of the ropes of the... A young person is easy, you know, she can just do a somersault and she's over there. <laughs> but we have to work together to figure out how we're going to do that. So I think some of those experiences are invaluable. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be hidden meanings in, in what you have but to do. But definitely something you can apply. Yep. But it definitely teaches you teamwork, how you work together, how you deal with people, because because the whole team has to agree. If they if one if they don't agree, you know, you're not gonna be successful in your exercise. Mm-hmm. And what is one memory from the University of Houston that you still like hold on to, or something that something good that came out of the University of Houston? Well, um, well, my I met my husband here. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple of experience, and we were both. He was still doing his bachelor. I was starting my master already, and we used to work in the white building a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there was an experience that he was in the structural group and I was in the geotechnical group at the time. And the structural group, there's a professor, Dr. Shu, I don't know if you know, he was he was a big professor back then. And every year he would take the structural group to have a Christmas party or something like that. And all the other engineers heard about it and say it's a good parties every year. <laughs> And I wanted to go, you know, to to try and go to the party, but I wasn't in the structural group. I was in the geotechnical group. So, uh, so my my future husband, he actually asked the professor. He said, "Well, can Eliza come come to this party?" And the professor said, "Well, Eliza can come, 
but she cannot come as a geotechnical student. She has to come as your date to go to the park. Oh my goodness. So that that's really kind of the start, start of everything. Of uh -huh. Everything at U of H and, and it really started here in the engineering building. Oh, that's mm -hmm. great. That's so cute. <laughs> um and how has your work in STEM contributed to addressing real-world problems or making a positive impact on society? Um, I think STEM is extremely important because uh, I know arts and all that are, are really important for the mind and bodies and all that too. But a lot of the STEM elements are critical to, for example, like the infrastructure of what we lived in. You know, trying to build a building on trying to build a road is essential for uh, people to drive back and forth. You know, the computer science area, everything is technology nowadays. And, uh, and it's extremely important. It's an extremely important element of our every day-to-day -day work. You know, so trying to get continuous success in that and get women to be involved in the STEM program is extremely important to the future uh, and also the backbone of everything that we do in the society and in where we lived in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do you think you can, or what do you think people can do to get more women involved in STEM? Or how do you think you can inspire other women? I think, I think, I think what I like for it eventually to be is there's really not a woman in STEM. It's just STEM. Mm -hmm. Because because women already think themselves as part of the science program. There's no difference between a male and a female getting into the science program. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the same, it's treated equally. You know, there's not this, um, there are more, more boys, there are more guys in the scientific field and less women. You know, it's not really that intimidated and it's not that difficult. You know, you and I are both brought up in the STEM from very young and continue to doing it. So it's not more difficult than other things, mm -hmm. than, than the arts and science and all that. It's just what you're used to doing, mm -hmm. you know. So I think I think the program needs to let everybody know that it's, it's, it's a different field. It's not more difficult. It's not more male-dominated. It's just something that if you're interested, you need to get into it and doing it. It's no different from any of the other, other fields. You know, it's just what you are used to. So I want to get there that everybody looking at it yeah, as has just the same thought. an extra curriculum, a same and not as something that's special. Only the smart people can do it. Okay, awesome. Okay, well, those are all of my questions. Anything else you want to say? Well, I want to thank you for, thank you for doing this podcast. I think it's very extremely important. There's still a little discrepancy on uh, male and female in mm -hmm. the engineering fields and all that. And I think I think we are making big strive to break that ceiling. For example, in textile, there's actually a lot of women uh, in the upper management also. And there's a lot of other companies, you know, if you see some of the big CEO of... Uh, of um, of the big companies are women also nowadays. So we know that the glass ceiling can definitely be, be broken. broken. Uh-huh. So so is is a known fact and and with the artificial intelligence that's coming, 
very very soon. It's probably already here at the university. You're doing a lot of things with the AI. It hasn't really been been widely spread out in the industry yet, but they're all dipping into it somewhat. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's dipping it into the application. So it's really going to change. All ever since the evolve of the iPhone, the technology advancement has speed up about tenfold, or I, I can say actually a hundredfold. The the amount of technology changes and new things happening with the autonomous vehicle, with the Google car, with now the uh, cruise, and and all that it's is coming much faster than we anticipated. So all the young men and women, everybody, we all have to gear up for it. We all have to be ready to know exactly what's going on, to learn and to make sure it's an advancement for us. It will help us in whatever we're doing in the future. Yes, I agree. Very important, especially for more people to get involved in STEM and ensure that we are using all of our abilities to the best. Yes. Very important. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, again, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you and very much. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Steminist Podcast. Tune in next time where we'll be hearing from more amazing women in STEM. Want to listen to more podcast episodes? Check out our podcast website at www.egr.uh.edu to listen and subscribe today.